Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you that I think the, the questions things was fun. In the old days when we had different, church was a different way. When I had a Sunday school class, I would teach it. And we always had question and answers. When we had Wednesday nights, we'd have question and answers. When we have Sunday night, we'd always have question and answers. But the way we do it here, we don't have a Sunday night. In the grow groups, we just really don't have a whole lot of time for question and answers. And about the only place we have question and answers now is the SBI classes. So <clears throat> what we decided is probably a, every couple of months or every three months, or at least once a semester, we'll probably have a grow group time just raising questions and asking, doing Bible questions. That was a lot of fun. So I, I really loved it. I thought the questions were incredible. Some of them were very, very thought-provoking, really good job on questions. So thanks for doing that. So Matthew chapter 6, turning your Bibles to Matthew ch- uh, chapter 6, and we're going to start a study this semester in our grow groups, and we're calling it Temptation. When you think of temptation, it always sounds bad. It, it, we think a temptation is going wrong somehow. It's really the pull to go contrary to something. We might be tempted to eat rather than exercise. I mean, that. so you could think about it that way. But most of the time when we think about temptation, we think about going wrong, doing something wrong. In fact, when we think of temptation, we think we're tempted to go contrary to the Bible. That's what we think. Our lives are filled with temptations. We live in a fallen world. Where do they come from? How do we deal with them? The rest of the semester, we're going to look at that. Our goal as believers is having a victorious life. Here's a great truth that we've seen over and over. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the flow of 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about the victory over sin and death because the fact that the resurrection, but it is a great truth that victory in the Christian life and victory in everything goes back to our Savior Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, if uh, <clears throat> when you read this, listen to this. I'm going to read this. You tell me what this is, okay? Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Do not lead us into... What, what is that called? What, what's it called? Uh, 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 some people say model prayer. Some people say what? Lord's Prayer. But it's actually not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer because the Lord's Prayer is found in John 17 where Jesus prays the longest prayer in the Bible, uh, at least the longest prayer Jesus prayed publicly that we could see. It was with his men. If you remember, they said to him, tell us how we should pray. So it's the disciples' prayer in a sense. And Maxine said it's the model prayer, in which it really is. It's sort of a model on when you pray, what are some of the things you should think about? But notice, notice verse 13. And do not lead us into what? Temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, he said, don't lead us in temptation. What, what does that mean? Lead us not into, does, it, does it mean, Lord, don't take us into trials? Does it mean, Lord, don't take us into some kind of temptation that we might go wrong in some way? Uh, could it be translated, Lord, keep us from temptations? I want you to understand that the Greek word here for temptation and trial is the same word. He could be saying, lead us not into trials or lead us not into temptations. Or, Lord, keep us away from temptations. Or, protect us. It could be some kind of thing like that. We know that every day, all day long, there are temptations, pulls, things that's that's trying to make us go wrong somehow. And we look at this subject, we want to think about it. Because uh, we don't, we don't, we, uh, my... 
uh, SBI class last Wednesday night, we spent a good bit of time on this whole idea of sin and the pulls and the flesh and all those kind of things. So we want to talk about it. Uh, as we go through our lives, whether it's on the campus or town or job or TV or movies, there are always these pulls to do wrong. So the subject of temptation is pretty powerful. Uh, a long time ago, it's been about three, maybe four years ago, when we were at the junior high, we looked at the life of David. And during, as the study of the life of David, there was a part where David was tempted and failed. And so we spent a little bit of time then talking about temptation. Not a lot of details, but we talked about it. So we want to talk about it in more detail in this study. And think about it, how we finish our lives is important. It's either faithful or failure. That's what, because when you stand before Jesus, what do you want to hear him say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, a lot of it's going to depend on how we deal with temptation and how we do. So here's sort of the outline. I just want to show you this. Uh, the outline is we're going to start off with what is temptation and is temptation a sin? Is temptation sin? Then we're going to look at where does temptation come from? And we're going to see the devil, the world, the flesh. And most of the emphasis in our study is going to be on the flesh, and we'll talk more about that. Then we're going to see the process of temptation because there is a process of how it works. And then we're going to look at examples of temptation, and we're going to see failure and victory. And what we want to do is do the victory one, but that's the key. And then last but not least, how do we deal with temptations? We're going to see the promise from the Bible and the provisions from the Bible. So some of you have heard this before, but I want to tell you two stories about me. And I'm going to say them pretty fast because we just don't have a whole lot of time. When I was in seminary, I had studied. It was a big, pro it was a big test, and it was a hard class. And I studied, and it was, uh, it was one of the major exams. And I'm sitting in class, and I've come to a question, and I know the answer, but I can't figure out how to start it. I, it's one of those you had to write out, and I keep going, ah. And I glanced up, and I, I could see my best friend's paper. I could see it. Okay? I could just look at that and see how he started it, and then I'd be okay. Let me tell you another story. I didn't tell you what happened, right? I'm not tell okay? <laughs> tell you another story. In that shopping center, I can't remember what it's called. It used to be called Pioneer Shopping Center or something like that. Is it still called that? There, there was an ATM machine. And a long time ago, I used to use ATM things. And, and one day I went in there, uh, and, and, it was, and I got out of my car, and I put my little card in there. And I wanted to get, I think I was getting $20. So you know this is a long time ago. So I was getting $20, and it came out, and there was actually two twenties stuck together. There were $40. But the receipt thing came out and said, $20. Well, you could say, well, that's their tough luck. You could say that. Or you could say, what are you supposed to do? What, what do you think I did? I went to the bank the next day because this was only like a Sunday. And I told them that the machine gave me $40 instead of 20 And you know what the lady behind the counter said? She said it did it the entire day. We know that twice as much money went out as supposed to. She said, so far, you're the only one that's come so far. So, those are real temptations, aren't they? Because you could say, well, maybe God wanted me to have an extra 20, right? I mean, I'm just, let's, th let's think out loud, right? Where, where are you tempted? How are you tempted? What are some things? I, I want to raise three questions as we go through. The first, the first question is, what is temptation? Well, literally, it is the pull to do wrong. We could say it's the, the pull to go contrary to the Word of God. Temptation is to follow our own desires rather than the desires of God. And simply put, temptation is the pull to do wrong. Uh, it, it's to lust, it's to cheat, it's to cheat on a test, to lie, to, to lie on our income tax, to not tell the truth. To, uh, what, if, what if your boss 
boss said, what if you get, boss came and said, I want you to make a call to Mr. Johnson at that company. Uh, make it, and I'll be back in a little bit. And you don't make it. He comes back in and said, what did Mr. Johnson say? And you say, uh, I, I couldn't get him. You, you just lied, right? Because you, you're tempted right there. Are you going to look at your boss and say, I didn't make the call yet. I know you told me to, but I didn't. Or are you just going to say, I, I didn't get him, which is not really a lie you think in yourself because you're saying, I didn't get him. You know, okay. So what happens when all every day there are pulls to go contrary, to do things wrong? By the way, it is natural. It's natural to sin. It's natural to do wrong. Let me read something to you. You don't have to turn there. This is Romans chapter 7. Listen to this. This is verse 18. And Paul talks about himself. That's us. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. Our flesh is the natural bent to what? To sin. He says, there's nothing good in your flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing the good is not. For the thing I want to do, I don't do but I practice the evil I don't want to do. And if I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin in me. And then he says this, I find the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. If you're in my class last Wednesday night, we said that. Every one of us in this room have evil inside of us. It is a natural pull to go contrary to the Word of God. We have a flesh, and it pulls us. So what, what is temptation? It's this natural pull to go wrong. It started when Adam and Eve sinned. They fell, and through one man, Adam sinned into the world, and death by sin, and death passed upon all. That's Romans 5.12. So Adam's sin and the capacity to sin was passed to us. So here's the next question when we think about temptation. Is temptation sin? Is the pull to do wrong the same as doing wrong? Is a thought that comes into your brain the same as keeping on thinking about it? Let's put it this way. Well, there's some good news here. The good news is that temptation is not sin. To be tempted to say, look over here, do this, lie, don't tell the truth here, do this, that's a temptation. That's not necessarily sin. Why? Because in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, it says, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, was tempted in all points yet without sin. So temptation itself is not sin. Now, how you respond to temptation, how we respond to temptation may result in sin because we're going to see there's a process. And we've talked about this before. I hope you can remember it. It's been four or five years ago, but we have talked about this process of sin, and we'll talk more about it as we go through the next couple of lessons. But there's this idea that there's a temptation. There's this pull. There's something we see. There's something we want. There's a desire there. That desire is not necessarily sin. So we'll talk more about it. So the outcome, what happens? Well, then we raise the big question, and that is this. Where does temptation come from? Well, it actually comes from our inside. Now, it starts from outside, but comes from our inside. In James chapter 1, verses 13, 14, and 15, let me just read this to you. You don't have to turn there again. But listen to what he says. This is James writing. In James chapter 1, he says this about, about the temptation aspect and the sin. He says this, Let no one say when he's tempted that I'm tempted by God. God doesn't tempt you to do wrong. Each one is tempted when you're carried away and enticed by his own lust. The word lust is, goes back to the idea of your flesh. You're, so he says, you're tempted when you're carried away by your flesh. And when your lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, 
When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You realize that as a believer, every time we sin, we die. Okay? It's called temporal death. We're out of fellowship with God. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We get back in the fellowship. We're back alive again. Okay? So there's a lot. When we say death, there's, there's a spiritual death and a temporal death and a physical death and an eternal death. There's all kind of deaths in the Scripture. But when we as a Christian sin, we temporally die. That's what he says. He says it in Romans chapter 8. He says it right here in James chapter 2. So let's think about the influence. Where does all this come from? We said it actually comes from inside of us. In other words, there's things that affect us, and then it comes from us. But when we think about it, there are three big areas. There's the devil, the world, the flesh. That's it. There's the devil. And we, we, when you start thinking about the devil, the world, the flesh, all of us in this room, we know who these enemies are, right? We know that the devil is a real angel. He's an angel. Now, I don't mean in a good way, like he's an angel. No, he, he's a bad angel. He's an adversary, and uh, he, he's, he's evil. And then there's a world system, which we live in this fallen world system. And then our flesh, which is inside of us, has this natural pull to do wrong. How many of you in this room will be glad when you don't have the natural pull to do wrong? Some of you are not raising your hands. I think you must really like sinning and, and things like that. But the truth is, that's, that's what it is. The devil, the world system. Watch this. Look at this right here. James chapter 3, verse 15. This wisdom is not which comes down from above. It's, this wisdom's not from God. But look what it is. It's earthly. That's the world. It's natural. That's the flesh. It's demonic. It's the devil. That's where it comes from. And so there's these conflicts, and it's pulling us, and it's there all the time. We live in a world system that is controlled by the devil. We're going to see more of it in just a minute. And as the world system is controlled by the devil, this world system affects us every day. Just turn on TV. Just go to a movie. Look in a magazine. Just go outside. Just whatever it is, you're going to see these pulls. So we're going to start this morning by looking at the one that everybody says, the devil made me do it. But the truth is... We did it. devil didn't make it, but the devil has a part in it. And we're going to talk about the devil. Okay, that's who we'll start with, and then we'll keep going in the next week or two and with, with more of the, the world and the flesh and how all that fits together. He's the one that's most blamed. We realize in the Word of God that there, there is an angel. There was an angel who guarded the throne of God. In Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, he, uh, he, he was the anointed cherub. He was the angel that guarded God's throne. And we know in Isaiah 14, which is called the five I wills of Satan, he says, I will do this, I will do this. And then the last one is, I will be like the most high. He said, I'm going to be God. I want to be God. I want to be God. And so there's this demonic being, this angel that God created, that God allowed to make decisions. And this one was lifted up in pride and was removed. Now, when we say is removed, and we don't know even when this happened, most believe that if you look at, look at Scripture and try to put things together, most we believe that these angels were created and the fall of angels happened before he created our heavens and earth. Because there is a place in one of the Psalms where it says the angels rejoiced at the creation. So it appears to me that maybe angels were before creation. We already know that, in, that everything was created in six days, and that's the heavens and the earth, but I think that angels were before all that. 
So you have this demonic being who the best we can tell from, from other places in Scripture that some of the other angels fell with him, went with him. And so you have a group of angels which we call demons uh, that are in this fallen world system and affect us. And so that's who he is. He is evil. Now, he's, let, me, let me just say this. He is more evil than you can imagine. You, you can't even, let me tell you, you can't even imagine how bad he is. The worst thing you could ever think of is not even to his level. He's that bad a being. Now, there's two ways he wants to be thought of by people. Two ways. One, he wants to be seen as not real. I'm talking to a guy, Gene and I, that were at his house talking, and he doesn't believe there's a devil. He says, there's no devil. There's no such thing as a devil. He admits that people do wrong things, but it's wrong because we decided they were wrong, so he didn't have a standard of right and wrong. But he doesn't believe there's a devil. And there's a lot of people who don't believe there's a devil. And the devil says, that's fine. Don't believe in me. In fact, I don't want you to believe in me. I can influence you even more because you don't even know I exist. You actually think I don't exist. And there are a lot of people who say, oh, I don't really believe there's a, like a real God and a real like, demon and all this. And so many people have this concept because the next one is that he's real. He's so real that he's like the same as God and it paralyzes people to say, oh, no, the devil is so powerful. What are we going to do? And so he, the devil wants you to say, yes, I, I am so powerful. I'm equal with God because that's what he wants to be. Well, let me tell you something. I've talked to a lot of people, and they say, well, there's right and wrong, there's God and the devil, and it's like they're equal. They're not equal at all. The devil is a created being by God. God speaks. It's all over. That being has, but that devil, as powerful as he is, can do nothing outside of God allowing him to do it. You study the book of Job, and God allowed Satan to affect Job. But he, Satan couldn't do anything to Job unless God allowed it. And so it's not going to be a toss-up like, gee, I hope we win. All God's going to do is speak and it's over. So there's a plan and that we, we could ask God, why do you have this plan? He'd say it's not for you to understand because his ways are not our ways. His, his, his thoughts are above our thoughts. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. That, that's just, it just, it's just beyond us. So the devil says, just don't believe I exist and I'll get you. And just think I'm so powerful that I'm the same as God, I'll just paralyze you and you won't do anything. Peter describes him as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Listen, uh, we're going to talk more about the fact that the devil really can only be at one place at a time because he's a, he's a created being. He's not omnipresent like God is. God is everywhere. devil's not everywhere. And sometimes we say things like, the devil's after me. Well, the truth is if the devil's after you, you at that time would be considered the most important person in the world as far as the devil is concerned. I think most of the time he's after world leaders. He's trying to influence people that will influence millions of people. But there is a system. There are fallen angels, demons that are with him. And there is a fallen world system. So in a sense, he's trying to devour us. And let me tell you something. You make a decision that you're going to stand for Christ, you're going to live for him, your life's going to count for him, He's got, Satan's coming after you. And when I say that, I mean the system, not necessarily him individually, but you're going to be attacked. When the church stands for what's right and has a grace message of salvation and teaches the Bible, we're going to be attacked. 
think there's churches in this town that tell people, don't go out there because they, they'll, they'll tell you you can go to heaven just by faith in Christ. We know it's more than that. Don't go out there. Listen, that's what they say. They attack us because we've got a grace message. So be careful. He, the Revelation says he's the accuser of the brothers. He's a liar and an adversary. Jesus said in John 6 that he's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He wants people to sin. Let me go quickly. Here's, he has a plan. It is to stop people from believing and stop people from serving. Let me look at what we got left. I, tell you, I, I, I don't know how fast I want to go because time is almost up. But l- let's look at this. Here's his plan. For human beings, his plan is to stop a person from believing. And the second one is stop a person stop a believer from serving. That's his plan. Think about this. His plan is to stop anybody from believing. So he has a false gospel and a false message. His false gospel is this. Do good and God will love you. All you have to do is go anywhere in this town and talk to people and say, what do you think a person has to do in order to go to heaven? And most people will say, try to live a good life. Do good. That's a lie of the devil. It's been a lie. You'll never see that anywhere in the Scripture. From the very beginning of Genesis 3.15 all the way up, it's always been through the seed of woman, the Messiah, the Savior is the Savior of the world. Not by our goodness and righteousness, but it's always by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was crowned to him for righteousness. So all the way through the Bible, it's always faith. But the lie of the devil is it's works. It's you trying to be good. See, he would love for a person to come to church every Sunday and think that by coming to church and trying to live a good life, they're going to make it to heaven. He's, he's, oh, he's fine with that. In fact, all religion comes from Satan, not from God. Religion is man trying to please God. True Christianity is God pleasing God. So all religion is from Satan. When people say you've got to do this, you've got to pray seven times a day, you've got to crawl on this, you've got to do this, you've got to put something through your arm. I mean, all that junk that you see throughout the whole world, it's all religion, it's all a lie of the devil, it's a false gospel and a false message. You know what his false message is? You can be like God. Because that was his message. Be like God. In Genesis 3, what did he say to the woman? He wanted her to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. Uh, I'm going to stop here, and we'll we'll finish this one next week and jump a little further. But I want to, because I don't want to go too fast with this, but I want you to understand something. He said to Eve, if God really loved you, wouldn't he let you eat from all the trees? And then he made her doubt God's word, and he said, you shall surely not die. He makes us doubt God's love. If God really loved you, wouldn't things be better in your life? If God thinks loved you, you wouldn't get sick. You wouldn't get the flu. You wouldn't have, this wouldn't happen to you if God really loved you. You'd be successful, yet things would be easier if God really loved you. And then God's word. I mean, not everything in here is true, right? I mean, there wasn't this. And, and you can't believe everything that's in here. And you're telling me that God is going to work everything for good? I don't know if I... So he wants you to doubt his word. He wants you to doubt his love. That goes all the way back.